Welcome to Paradigm Shift, the podcast about the intersection of business and law. By changing yourself, you can change your business. Now, here's your host, Christina Martini. Welcome to Paradigm Shift. My name is Christina Martini, and I'm your host as we explore the intersection of business and law. Today, we are going to be continuing our conversation about the importance of productivity, creativity, and taking brain pause moments. It is my pleasure to welcome Debbie Viscochel back to the show. Debbie leverages her expertise in neuroscience to coach audiences and clients to reach peak levels of achievement. With a focus on productivity and creativity, she delivers an understanding of how neuroscience can enhance performance for leadership and their teams. Coaching protocols at Optimal Edge Performance are all based in brain science, specifically live EEG and instantaneous data collected from the autonomic nervous system, enabling clients to take their unique performance to their highest level. Through experiential exercises and storytelling, she offers audiences multiple solutions to strengthen performance skills, including resilience, collaboration, discipline, focus, innovation, and self-compassion. Debbie has an electrical engineering background, a psychology degree, extensive neuroscience training, and is board certified by the Biofeedback Certification International Alliance. Her unique combination of science and emotional acumen led her to work with some of the business world's highest performers. Debbie shares her expertise as a TEDx speaker, disrupt HR innovator, and writer for the Naval Institute publication, Proceedings, and the online publishing platforms, Medium and Thrive Global. Most recently, Debbie is a founder of Edge Women Speakers. It is my pleasure to welcome Debbie back to the show. Thank you, Tina. I'm so happy to be here. Yeah, me too. And we just had a great first segment to our conversation, covered a lot of ground, including talking about just stress and its physiological impacts on people. And wanted to just find out from you to round out that part of our conversation. We know that stress has a tremendously potential negative impact on people's health and people's just day-to-day well-being. Can you give us a little bit more of a sense as to what the impact stress has is not just on the people who are feeling the stress, but on the people around them, for example, team members at work? I sure can, Tina. I'm sure you have seen this, hopefully haven't experienced it, but there is such a huge correlation between the stress of the team and what's going on with the person who supervises or manages them. You know, if your boss is having a bad day, it's a good chance the rest of the team is going to be having a bad day unless it's handled well. You know, what was was that old saying? If mom's having a bad day, the whole family's having one. Yeah. Um, <laughs> it's the same kind of thought. <laughs> when I was working, after I was working with Rush and beforehand, actually, a lot of clients were sent to me by way of the lawyer's assistance program. And so we were seeing a number of attorneys who were coming in that still had these challenges, whether they had addictions or not. But I was also seeing their team members. And they were sent to me either by LAP or they were by their neurologist. And so it was a lot of legal secretaries, a lot of paralegals. 
And I see that in many, many industries where those people are coming in and there's no good organic reason for their headaches or their stomach problems or whatever. And their doctors realized it was stress. And so they sent them over my direction because it was the work stress that was such a big part of it. And work stress is one thing. We all have that. And, you know, that's just a part of of life. But when you have someone that you're working for that's not handling their stress well, that maybe has anger outbursts or is very impulsive that's really hard to deal with. And that's a whole nother level of stress on those people. And so how are your team members handling it if they're always afraid that you're going to yell about something if they do it wrong, or if you know, you're going to cut them off while they're trying to explain something? It, you know, it plays into the whole psychological safety for our team members. And so having these skills in order to be a leader are critical. You know, whether it's okay, I know that there's something going on and so I need to close my office door, settle down, use whatever skills I have that I've practiced and then go out and deal with the team members. I had a gentleman a while back who, he he didn't want to come see me, but it was a family-owned business and his daughters wanted him to come see me because he started yelling at the people that worked for him. Mm -hmm. And when I talked to him, he didn't have a problem. He was all good. It was it was the employees that had the problem. It wasn't him, he said. And so they, they didn't know what to do, actually, because it was his stress levels that were causing all of this. And so one night at dinner, one of the daughters mentioned to him that I work with golfers, which I do. And he said, oh, she could help with my putting? And they said, yes, she can. And so immediately, if you're a golfer, Tina, you know, you know, we will do anything to improve our game. And so he was signed on. He was coming to see me. And so the tools we were using to calm him down before he putted were the same tools I had him practicing every single day at the office. Well, after a while, I received a call from his daughter and she said, he doesn't yell at anybody anymore. He's practicing in his office on a regular basis and he's managing his stress So the team's not taking the hit from his stress. That's pretty remarkable. Who would have thought that you could actually correlate those two and achieve a great result in terms of adapting, understanding what your your issues are and being able to turn it around into a much more productive way of dealing with stress, which actually leads to a follow-on question for me, which is, especially in these COVID times we're in, but even when we emerge from this and aren't under the same type of stress that we've all been under for the past few months, there is a stigma and I'm sure you're much more aware of it than most. There's a stigma in asking for help, whether it's asking for help through coaching or therapy. It's just the act of acknowledging, I don't have the tools to handle this on my own and I need somebody else's assistance. What are those stigmas and why is it so important for people to just put those stigmas aside and say, I really need to get the help I need? You are so spot on, Tina. I am hearing now and and my hope is that people will reach out a little bit more you know, that this um, upper management's another story, but at least for other people, hopefully your team members will tell you when they need something. This has been over the top stress for everyone in this situation, just the uncertainty, the fear. And, 
more and more we see people reaching out, which is incredibly healthy that people are doing that and really encouraging people. I know so many times with the people I work with, the way we bring in their team members is to think of it as more increasing your performance because it is. We're handling stress, which is a, is a part of everything. But how do you become bigger, better? You know, where are your superpowers? How can you become an even better leader than you were? So you were a great leader, but how do you become better? And so that could be, how do you handle your impulsivity? How do you recognize it and handle it on a better basis so that your team members aren't afraid to talk to you? So they are willing to tell you when there's a problem, you know, when they feel psychologically safe to bring up something to you. What does that look like for you? And how can you manifest something in a stronger way versus thinking of it as a weakness? Because unfortunately, for most of us, you know, we don't want to admit those weaknesses very often. And like you said, you see it all the time with somebody who really could use help with therapy or could use some coaching. And they're like, no, no, I've got this. I've got that. I'm fine. You know, and, but it's a matter of being better. It's better than fine. It's how can you really be happy? I think is the, is the end result of it all. You know, if, if I'm doing great in business, that makes me happier. If my team members are doing incredibly and they're, and they're really contributing and they're really happy in their work and they're really productive and that brings me more joy. And so how do we get to that point that we realize by reaching out and asking, it's going to make things so much better. Don't think of it as fixing something, but more, how can how can we reach that higher level and what does that take? You know, what kind of tools do we need to be able to reach that level? I think that's key. It's really how you frame it. Well, and as one of the tools that we've been talking about, you know, obviously you offer your clients a whole array of services and you, you, you coach people and it's high performance coaching. And so as our listeners think about what we're discussing and about how it can apply to their life, one aspect that I'm sure people are going to be considering is high-performance coaching. What does high-performance coaching of the brain look like? And what is really the objective of that type of coaching? Well, when we talk about high performance, we talk about six different pillars that we're really working towards. We're working on resilience always because we for any of us, being able to bounce back a little quicker, a little with a little more forward motion and a little bit more momentum. I mean, how do we how do we craft that? What does that look like for us? Especially when the baseline just keeps changing for us constantly. Focus is huge. You know, as as most of us know, focus can be a challenge for a lot of people. But as you get older, and I swear it's just because we have so much more going on and we have so much more on our plate and you know so much more, focusing becomes more difficult. And so it takes effort to focus, which maybe it didn't when you were in in college, but now it takes much more effort. And so crafting that focus, what does that take? You know, it's it, it a lot of times is working with the brain and really being able to hone those those brainwaves to get in a really healthy place, but it's also getting the skills. You know, if I need to sit down and write for our journal article, how do I get myself to do that? Like, what are the best tools for me? And if you're able to watch your brain while we're stepping through those tools, 
How do we calm that brain down in order to get that focus? Discipline is huge because the impulsivity is a problem. And so is reactivity. You know, you can't be a good leader if you're reactive to what people are doing. So that's the third thing that we're always working on. And you can see that immediately in the brain. So if I bring you something that would make you upset and we were looking at your EEG at the same time and you can see your EEG on the screen, immediately you can see those sharp spikes with something and for a lot of people, that would then translate out their mouth and, you know, be uh, maybe not kind words at someone else. But how do you start to take control of that? How do you recognize in your body that that is starting to almost bubble up and what you need to do in order to calm that down? So there's self-awareness, which is huge with that. Collaboration. How do you work better as a team? That's one of the keys to high performance. You know, it's it's never just about us. It's always about the team that we're worth. Even if you're in a sport where it's a single person sport, if you're a tennis pro, you still have that team. You have your coaches. You have a team. So how are you working with your team that's going to get you at that highest level? And innovation. How do you keep moving? We hear about innovation constantly in these days of covid but it's personal innovation too. You know, how do you keep getting better? How do you keep improving? What can you do to take yourself to the next level and take your company to the next level? What does that look like? And sixth is self-compassion mm-hmm. because we have to be kind to ourselves, Tina. You know, and we're it, not very good at that. A lot of people are really not good at that. No, no. And 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 it's a shame because I mean, just think about how you talk to yourself some days. And would you ever say that to your spouse or to a business partner, to your best friend? Would you ever say those cruel words that you say to yourself? You know, 90% of us say, no, I would never say hurtful things to somebody else. But we beat ourselves up all the time. That's very true. And the way you just framed it is incredibly helpful. And I think that it really resonates with people. And One of the other recurring themes during our time together, we've been drawing some interesting parallels between like professional services professionals and just people who are on the business side of a profession versus people who are athletes and are in sports. There's a lot of alignment Mm -hmm. in what we're talking about between the two, but I would imagine there have got to be some differences as well. What are some of those differences? Well, a lot of times what we're looking at with a business professional is a lot more regarding memory. It's a lot about cognitive decision-making, which we don't see as much in sports necessarily. With sports, you keep learning it, you develop it, but when you're out on the court or out on the golf course, you're not going through that in your head every time, where when it's business, you are. You need to keep those parts of your brain working well and be able to keep that, you know, forward momentum when we're talking about just those decisions that you need to make or the way you need to be able to be agile in your decision making. It's a it's a little bit different mindset. And we are using much more of that, uh, that cognitive side of our brain when we're in business that doesn't quiet down as often as it should. And I think that's one of the biggest challenges that I see with business professionals is they're in that place all the time. And they don't tend to take a breath as often, you know, to kind of settle that down and start it up again. They just keep persevering. 
Yeah, I, I completely agree as, you know, being one of those people, it's very, you know, when you sit there and you think about how you spend your time, even on the weekends, especially if you're in a services business where you are trying to generate and proliferate revenue, it's one of those things where you're constantly thinking about the next lead. You're constantly thinking about how to ensure terrific client experience and it's really hard sometimes, I think, to put a framework around it so that you're able to at least turn it off for a little while, rejuvenate as you need to, and to have the right you know, mental approach so that you're more effective in what you do. It is huge, Tina. And, I, and, and you're right. I, I don't know if it's our training or if it's just our society and business, but I, I, would, I would venture to say that most people are exactly what you are talking about. It's just keep going. Like I'll stop and take a breath later today, but right now I have deadlines or I have that new potential client and, and it's so spot on. But when you do stop for a moment, it's almost like you can think clearly if you can put that aside, you know, just for a minute. I know Duke University just recently came out with some data showing that just silence develops new cells in your hippocampus and they're promote they're as they're doing their research they're showing that the brain functions better when you just take a couple of minutes of silence in the middle of your day but how many of us do that i would imagine very few i think it's one of those things where like and like anything in the area of self care, you need to schedule it the way you schedule meetings with people, right? Because otherwise, it's the first thing to go. Mm-hmm. That, or you can tie it to something, which is how we find with all of our high performance training. It's it's about changing behaviors, and so we tie it to something that's already a habit. When we're talking about something like taking that break. A lot of times it can be around lunch, you know, at the moment with us, some in the office, some at home, uh, I think lunch hour is kind of a misnomer at the time, at this moment, you know, it's, I don't know if everybody takes a break at the same time, but if you can tie it to something like that, where, okay, right before I'm going to eat lunch, I'm going to take five minutes and be completely quiet. Then you have it tied to a behavior you already have, and you're much more likely to practice it. Because even we've tried with some professionals, you know, where they have an alarm going off. I've even tried with a couple of the doctors who are clients of mine that I will send them a text message every day at 11.55 to say, you know, five minutes, you need, to, you need five minutes. And it's so easy to hit that button and shut it off and go on to what you're doing. But when you start tying it to another habit, it starts to become a habit unto itself. You know, I know with the addiction world, what I found with the CEOs I was working with was they would really sit down for five minutes at lunch, close their door, have five minutes of silence, and they would do that before they walked out of the door at the end of the day. So they had two times for their brain to reset. Because even if we go back to talking about stress, you know, you carry that stress all day long. If you had a bad morning, afternoon's going to be a little tough because you're carrying all that from the morning. But if you had a bad morning and you sit down and you let go of it and you get yourself to a really calm, quiet place for, I'll say five minutes. If you can do 10, all the better. But get yourself to a really good, quiet place. Then all afternoon, you're only dealing with what you have in the afternoon. You're not carrying that residual 
component with you of all that stress. And so you're much more effective in the afternoon. And when you go home at night, you don't have that enormous weight on your shoulders. You're just, you're carrying home with you what you did in the afternoon. And so taking those little tiny breaks can be huge, but it it takes a while to, you're right. It takes quite a while to get that to turn into a habit. Definitely. Definitely. So our time together is going by really quickly. And I want to make sure that we have a little bit of time at least to talk about your approach to working with clients. We've talked about it a little bit, and I'd love to frame it in the following way for our listeners who may be interested in working with you. You know, how do you kickstart a coaching relationship with a new client and what is your approach, especially in the beginning? What I'm looking for is what the outcomes are that you want um, when you come in the office. You know, what do you see as the challenges and how do we really start to conquer that? Whether it's performance anxiety as far as not everybody's comfortable getting up in front of the team. Is that where it shows itself? Where, where are your challenges? And so we start with that. And then what we do is we look at your autonomic nervous system and we look at your brain as we're going through those things. The coaching that I do is all brain-based and body-based. So it's all about data. My clients tend to be very analytic. They're people who really appreciate data and then they can work with those numbers. And so say, easiest for me to give you the brain side of it, we'll say hook you up and you have, you can see on the screen exactly how your brain's firing from a few sensors that are pasted onto your scalp. And then we will go through something. You might be able to take yourself to what you think is a pretty good place, a pretty good healthy place. And so you'll see how your brain is firing and we'll see if there's anything that's just out of balance, you know, whether it's a lot of chatter, a busy, busy brain from being anxious, or if it is something that's more distracting to you and keeping you from focusing. And then we'll inter- I'll introduce a stressor to you and you will immediately see how your brain reacts to that stressor. Well, then we need you to bring your brain up to a good, healthy place. And how do you do that? Well, you know, I coach you through different things and it's different for everybody as to what works best, but how do you get to a good, healthy place again? And for most of my clients, when they first come in, that's a huge challenge because they don't necessarily have those tools to get back up to that place in a really quick way. And so we need to develop those tools and find out what's best. And then we take it to shortening the time that, you know, and and how do we implement that so much quicker? So as soon as something bad happens, you can kick that back up and you can think clearly, you can use your cognitive skills and you can address the challenge immediately. And so that's what we're, that's what we're working towards. I recently was at a, and I've had a couple of CEOs um, that were amazing like this, where I spoke and the CEO let me hook them up in front of their entire leadership team. So on the big screens were their brainwaves. Wow. And then, <laughs> yeah, I know. What a little bit of stress when everybody who works with you can see what's going on inside. And so they would get themselves to a decent place. And then I would ask for a stressor. And, you know, of course, everybody in the audience is thrown out client names and problems in the company or whatever. And you just, we could all watch those CEOs brain just tank from all of those stressors. And then we would go through things to see what works best for them in order to get them to a good place. And for some, it's very visual. A lot of my clients, and I would think a lot of 
your listeners are a little more analytic. And so what are those skills? It, you know, it probably isn't sitting on a beach watching the waves. That would make them just a little unsettled. But what other skills work really well? And for the, I'll share the whole other side of it. When something incredibly stressful hits me, I go through prime numbers because I'm an engineer at heart. And so going through prime numbers, you know, one, three, five, seven, 11, 13, just going as far as my whole body settles down. My mind can think clearly. So finding the skills that work best for a particular person is key so that they can handle things. And so we start building on that. And then we look at, you know, if it is the fact that there's a lot of waves firing that are keeping you distracted or the busy brain at this point, and you asked before about COVID, Mm -hmm. that's what we see hands down right now, you know, um, whether it's anxiety or trauma or just stress. I mean, the brain just fires so quickly trying to find an answer, trying to find some kind of certainty in this craziness that it doesn't shut down, which is, you know, impacting everything else we spoke about in the last two sessions. So how do you quiet that and seeing the data in front of you of that firing and firing and what tools work the best to be able to calm that down for you are then the tools that you start practicing on a regular basis and start turning into behavioral changes so that you're using them all the time. Maybe it's, you know, as soon as you wake up in the morning, if that chatter kicks in before your feet hit the floor, but how do we how do we find you the absolute best skills and get your brain to the optimal place and, and be able to bounce back to that place all the time so that you have control over it? And that's really what the high performance training is all about. And it sounds amazing. And I am sure that people who you've worked with have benefited greatly from the coaching that you've provided them over the years. As we get ready to close out our second segment together, I'd love to get your thoughts. And I know we touched on this a little bit earlier, but just given the stresses and the difficulties that a lot of people are facing, particularly in this COVID time that we're in, what advice do you have for our listeners to be able to figure out both within themselves as well as with people that are around them? when they really do need assistance of some type, how do you recommend that they look through themselves, through to themselves, both compassionately as well as with discernment to figure out that they either need assistance or those around them? Well, and I think that self-awareness is the best place to start, Tina, is, you know, if I look at myself, what what am I seeing and how are other people reacting to how I am? Because it's hard to see yourself sometimes in these situations, especially when you're coping the best you can. But how are other people reacting to what you're doing? And if you have some skills and you have something that has worked for you in the past, you know, I, maybe yoga was great for you, but you haven't had time the last five years, you know, but go back to it. Try things that maybe you're familiar with, see how that works for you. And then don't be afraid to reach out. There's so many other things that we're doing now that can be helpful. And we have to remember that not everybody reacts to the same thing. You know, if if you went to a dentist and it and it was not a good experience, you would not never go to a dentist again, you would find another one. And (laughs) that's an interesting, um, that's an interesting uh, metaphor for this. 
it, you know, and it, it's so true because I'll hear people say, you know, maybe they tried a piece of wearable like you have for sleep, or they will try meditation or yoga and they're like, oh, no, no, that didn't work for me. Well, okay, so let's try something a little different, but let's not, you know, throw it out completely. And so always developing new skills, I think, are key. And this, like you said, is not going to end anytime quickly, I'm afraid. And even when we get back to whatever our normal looks like, it's still going to be different and there's going to be changes and there's going to be uncertainty. It, that's going to continue for a long time. So developing those skills that are most helpful to everyone, you know, I think of it as just, you know, developing those superpowers. One more thing that you can use that you can possibly, you know, maybe the same thing that helps you fall asleep. It's not going to be the same thing that's going to help you when your boss comes in with bad news. So how do you develop more skills? How do you do more things? You know, and that's really, think of it as constant self-improvement versus there's something wrong with me and I need to be able to, I need to reach out for help. Well, Debbie, our time together has just been so terrific. I've learned so much from you and you've got such positive energy. And I look forward to having you back on the show again as we continue to watch the evolution of the COVID times we're in. And I'd love to just hear more about what you're up to. So as we wind down, do you have any final thoughts and where can our listeners find you? Your listeners can definitely find me at optimal-ep.com. That's Optimal Edge Performance website. They can find me anywhere on social media and on LinkedIn and Instagram. And this company is on Facebook. So they can subscribe or just get a little good feel from our brain pause moments, which are on those. And on the website and on social media is going up the online program for longer brain pauses also, which we are doing, which are 20 minutes. Um, We're doing them with corporations. They're just like, because nobody needs another hour on a Zoom call. Um, (laughs) (laughs) That in and of itself has been a tremendous amount of stress to people. I've, I've been hearing from folks and just knowing that everybody's living in Zoom rooms these days. Yeah. And I'm all about like, you can tell from everything I talk about, I'm all about like, how quickly can we do something that's going to help and not just drain you more. So our our new brain pause sessions are 20 minutes, some really good tools for teams to increase their engagement and their psychological safety and help them deal with their stress. And so all of that is on our website. It's on the social media. So yeah, and and please just have, you can reach out to me by way of any of those vehicles, I guess. And if you have any questions, please let me know. I'm more than happy to share anything that I have. Debbie, thank you again so much for taking the time to chat with me today. You've offered such wonderful advice, incredibly helpful, and I look forward to continuing our conversation again in the near future. Thank you so much, Tina. You have a great day. Thank you for joining us for this episode of Paradigm Shift. We hope that you've enjoyed the second part of our conversation with Debbie Viscochel and that you will join us next week for our next interview. I am your host, Christina Martini. Please look for our weekly episodes every Tuesday. Thanks for listening. If you enjoyed the show, please rate and recommend us on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. Please visit us at www.paradigmshiftshow.com. We would love to hear from you. Please look for new episodes of Paradigm Shift every Tuesday.